Welcome to the Daily Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Josiah Smelser. The Daily Real Estate Investor Podcast is the shared journey of building a real estate investment property business from square one. Join me as we learn together how to conquer the real estate game to reach financial freedom. Together, we will learn from people in all areas of real estate and business in our personal trek towards escaping the rat race. Be you. Do the work you love. Play the long game. What's up, guys? Today, I've got Felipe Mejia from Nashville, Tennessee on the podcast. This episode is going to rock your world, man. This guy is the house hacking guru. He's got five properties, but he's got 22 tenants in these properties, and he's renting these properties by the room, getting a thousand bucks a property for a total of 60 grand a year in passive income. This dude finished 31 out of 31 in his class and is now the first of those 31 to be financially free. This episode, man, is is legit. This guy is uh, is focused on financial independence and uh, is going to share tips and tricks about how you can do the same thing. Man, like this is one of my favorite episodes. This guy has got his act together. He's got his priorities right. I think he's really going to inspire you um, as you listen to this episode. Guys, as always, sit back, relax, and have a rotten time. Felipe, I'm excited to have you on the Daily Real Estate Investor Podcast, my friend. Dude, what an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on, brother. Man, it's my pleasure. I know this is going to be really beneficial for the uh, the audience. So Felipe Mejia is out of Nashville, yep. Tennessee. Uh, he owns five properties, but has 22 tenants in these properties, and he's renting by the room, which is a really interesting strategy. We have not had anybody on the show yet that's doing this. So I'm really excited to learn about how you're monetizing this. And um, Felipe is primarily serving the Latino community. It's a lot of his tenants are Latino and they're working in construction there in Nashville. And uh, Felipe also does coaching on how to house hack. Uh, and Felipe was on Bigger Pockets episode 329. So check that out if you haven't already. And uh, Felipe's also got a two-year-old boy, which I have a two-year-old boy. So we're going through a lot of the same. I've got two girls as well, but going through a lot of the same stuff with the two-year-old, I'm sure. But uh, anyway, Felipe, let's dive into this, man. Tell us kind of about your story and how you got to where you are today. Man, absolutely. Um, so first off, I mean, to answer your question, how I got here by the grace of God, because it's so crazy because I don't, I, I just don't, this was not what I expected for my life growing up. Um, I wanted to be a police officer in the city of Nashville. Being born and raised here, being bilingual, I felt like this was my calling. I, I, I was like, okay, I grew up in Nashville. I'm bilingual. Like 30% of the community here is Latino. You know, I can definitely serve my city in this way. So I went to college for it. I perfected my, my English, my Spanish, and, uh, and that's what I was going to do. I got out of college. Uh, I went to the police academy and four days in, I was told, um, verbatim, sir, we have enough Latino police officers. You can leave. Mm. And I was in shock and I thought it was part of the whole banter. So I didn't. And then I got pink slipped the next day and said, Hey, we told you, you can't come back. You need to be off the ground. If you come back again, you're trespassing. And then I realized he wasn't kidding. Um, mm. and literally that's the last conversation I ever had with Metro national police department. Um, so I was really frustrated because I felt like that was my life goal, literally thrown down the drain. Um, and from there, thank God, uh, other doors were open. 
real estate being one of them, um, being that all I knew was my Latino community and some friends, I, I didn't really know what to do. So I guess I did what anybody else would do. I uh, started working. I went to a construction site and just started working. Not any talent. Literally, I'm not kidding, picking up sticks, <laughs> making sure the construction site was clean. I got to know a painter. I got to know uh, the drywall guys. I got to know every trade imaginable. And it was great. Uh, but every time I heard success, I heard network. And I was like, well, I don't know anybody. Yeah. But if you ask uh, a landlord who he'd rather know, he will tell you all day, great handyman. Because they can fix everything. And I said, holy cow, I actually do know people that can help. Um, so, uh, from there, I, I, I got my first, uh, single family home, but let me start on how I did real estate. How it was always in my background. Yeah. So the really cool thing about that is, uh, whenever I did graduate high school, my mom gifted me a mobile home and I was like, all my other friends are getting cars and money for college. And my mom's giving me a, a mobile home. I was like, that's cool. She wants me to move out. <laughs> <laughs> But what I didn't realize was with the mobile home, she gave me one of her tenants and her tenant is still one of my tenants. I call him Victor the painter because <laughs> his name is Victor and he paints <laughs> and he's awesome. I still have him to this day. Anyways, so my mom gave me a mobile home and that started the itch with real estate. But remember, I wanted to be a cop. So I always left it in the background. Um, the really cool thing from there was after I graduated college, you know, the story happened, everything with that. Um, so I bought my first single family home and asked Victor to come with me. I had been living rent free through all of college. It became normal to me. So abnormal was having a mortgage. So Victor came with me. I was house hacking. Um, Victor came with me. Uh, he rented out a room in my house and I only had half a mortgage. Mm. And then I Airbnb the other room. So it's me and the master Victor, the painter in one room and Airbnb the other room, $30 a night. I'm popping them out like hotcakes. So nice. now I did not have a mortgage. <laughs> It was great. <laughs> um, and man, that really got me started in real estate. And then I kind of just didn't stop doing that. Um, I tell my friends, real estate is not sexy. It's doing the same thing over and over and over again and just increasing your cash flow. It's almost like, how much do you want to make? Okay, so then just do that same process that many times. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, I think people like spinning real estate in a sexy way because what they like advertising is, you know, hey, I just started doing real estate. Here's all my properties you know, and here's how much I'm making, but they're not showing all the minutia, all the, all the struggle that goes into it. And there is a lot of hard work involved And real estate is a problem solving business. It's one problem after the next, after the next. And it's not a bad thing. It's just, it is what it is. And if you can get in there and solve those problems, you can create a lot of value and you can create a lot of income from it. And that's what I love about real estate is, you know, you, you've created this way through house hacking, basically, living, living in the property, renting other rooms out in the property. Now your mortgage is taken care of. Now you've got excess cash flow to go reinvest somewhere else. So, so continue your story. Tell us how you built this out, how you have five properties with 22 tenants now. Sure. So the reason I started going down that path was my parents got divorced when I was like 11 or 12. My dad walked out and guess what went with them? The money. So what happened to us was my mom, had to rent the extra bedroom in our house to cover the mortgage. So what I basically did was I did that times 10, right? That's just 10x that. I said, okay, so I'm going to build mom's model because I'll never forget when I asked her while I was in college, I said, mom, 
how are we, how are we going through college? How is this affordable right now? And she said, well, what's going on? And I was like, mom, it's, it's in the we're in the middle of 2009, 2010. Like the, the, the world is going down the dump. And she literally did not understand what I was trying to explain to her. The reason was because her house had three bedrooms downstairs that she rented out and she didn't really feel the stress of not being able to pay her mortgage and things like that. Sure, work went down a little for her, but she had never really felt that super stress. And I said, if I can 10X that, not only will I not feel pressure of up and downturns, I'm going to be able to go through them like my mother almost nonchalantly. So what I did was I literally copied her model. I found homes that are 1,400 square feet to 1,800 square feet with three bedrooms upstairs, but the exact same amount of square footage, dead space downstairs, meaning garages, basements, whatever. And what I do is I just make sure they meet codes. I add two bedrooms or three bedrooms and a bathroom downstairs. And remember, I know all the guys that do this because I was on a construction site. Mm. So I had built these relationships. Um, uh, never underestimate, you know, the power of who's around you. You know, make connections. Don't burn bridges. You'll never know who you need. So I didn't have to go through a contractor, you know, per se. I could go directly to his laborers. And I'll say, hey, how much do you charge to do this? And he's like, well, man, my daily rate is roughly this. I was like, awesome. I'll give you a daily rate plus $50. Done. So I get super, really, really good labor. Um, so what I did was I find homes that have 14 to 1800 square feet above, which will cover all my expenses and cash flow, a whopping $100. But where I really make my cash flow is the downstairs. I add the bedrooms and I typically make between eight and a thousand dollars per house that I'm, uh, that I build out the bottom. And now it's just wash, repeat, wash, repeat, wash, repeat. Um, I found a really cool thing where I like tightened up my belt really, really tough and paid off one house completely, uh, no debt. And I just have a line of credit on that one. And I just, that's how I buy homes. Now I, I just let my money weigh itself. I don't, I don't use my money anymore. It's that property, the line of credit. It's just a revolving door. Nice. Okay. So with these five properties and 20 yeah, and 22 tenants, how much is your portfolio cash flowing net of debt service and operating expenses per month? Literally, I don't buy a property unless it does between $800 and $1,000 a month within $200 flex for five properties. Sweet. So, so roughly four to four to $5,000 as a portfolio. Sweet. And we just recently sold our six-unit apartment complex in Cookville, Tennessee. Gotcha. Okay. So you're, you're right at $60,000 of passive income a year. Trying to get to six figures. Yes, sir. That's sweet, man. That is a sweet gig. So are you living off the 60,000? Are you reinvesting this? Like, what are you living off of? Dude, good question. And I want your listeners to listen to this answer. I am not living off of it yet. I love it. That's Let's see. That's what we do. That I'm going that, to. That's what we do. <laughs> Everybody says, okay, well, you got these properties. Like what, you know, it must be great. And I'm like, we're reinvesting every penny we make and I'm living every off my single penny. I'm living off my appraisal income. You know, they're like, Oh, yeah, well, that's I, not I, quite I, as fun. Exactly. I'm like, it's actually really fun to me. And here's why I take the, I take the profit and I reinvest it leveraged. And if I'm getting even a 20% cash on cash return, which a lot of ours are, are even higher, yeah. that, that dollar is compounding at 20% year after year after year. You just run a time value of money calculation <sighs> on that. That dollar turns into three or $4 later, you know? Yeah, that's, ex that's exactly right, man. I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, listen, don't live off of your income from your rentals yet. Wait till you get to your happy point exactly. and then do that. I'm not saying don't do it yet, 
or I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying just don't do it yet. You know, reinvest, reinvest till you reach your goal and then go from there. Because if you start spending the money now, you're not going to be able to, uh, to, to use it later or to invest because Absolutely. even the banks are going to see that you're not good with your money. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and that's, you know, you look at, you look at people who have built a significant amount of wealth over time. Right. Guys like Warren Buffett, you know, I mean, he's, he's taking his capital, reinvesting it to its highest and best use, compounding the money. If he pulled all his money out, you know, when he became, when he had 10 million bucks and, you know, put it in an index fund and lived on the beach, he wouldn't be a billionaire right now, but he, he, uh, he, reinvested his profits over and over and over. He's still living in a modest house, driving a modest car. It's not about, it's really not about, you know, flaunting his money or being lazy. It's about reinvesting the capital to its highest and best use. So that's exactly right. That's exactly right. People end up using the money as soon as they can. uh, And then they're not able to reinvest it at all. Exactly. All right. So you got 22 tenants in these properties and you know, I'm assuming, are you managing these yourself? Man, yeah, I, I manage them myself. But what I do is I have like a boss man in each house. So remember that I said that I rent to the construction workers downtown. And typically what happens is it's just their buddies that rent the house. Um, so what, what happens is the crew leader ends up taking care of my house anyways. I give him half off rent and he's taking care of everything. He literally calls me and says, hey, I have all the rent. I have all the rent covered. Come and pick up. And that's it. Sweet. Like I have inside property managers. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so are you receiving yeah, yeah. cash? Is all your rent in cash? Or are you, are you, have you that's, uh, automated that's my this? Problem. Nope. That's my problem, dude. I, I literally have all cash gotcha. and um, I, I can't get them to go to the gas station. Um, I can't get them to do any of that. And it sucks. So if someone has a solution to that, reach out to me. I'll pay you for the answer, to be honest. <laughs> so you're rolling yeah. around with five grand in cash in your pocket every month. When I don't pay. even want to talk about it. I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> That's yeah, funny. Dude. That's funny. I know there's a couple apps like um, the Cash app, and I don't know about paying large amounts through that, but I know there's a couple apps where you can easily transfer money, but I don't know if that would work in this situation or not. I, I know about the the gas station option where you can go pay through, uh, what's the company that does it through the gas stations and stuff? I think like Seven Eleven and some of those companies do it. But what's interesting is my guys really like me to come by and like say hi to them. Yeah, it's sure. kind of like old school tenants. Sure. They just want to make sure that they're still dealing with the same guy. Sure. And it's that comfort level, right? Um, and I'm okay with that. I mean, it takes up about four hours of my day to drive to all of them. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I just have to be okay with it. Yeah. Cool. So, so uh, yeah. and you mentioned these are, you make sure these are up to code. Like what, what does that involve and how do you go about making that, sure? That's that- actually really easy, man. Most of the time codes is online and the guy that comes out has, after you've done, it's our relationships. You do one or two and you do them the same way over and over again. And he's like the same one. And I'm like, yep. All right. Measure, measure, sign off. Thanks. Sure. Have a good day. And that's yeah, it. Sure. Like, like once you do one or two, it's the same codes guy. He's not going to leave his job. You know, I'm going to meet Steven every single time and Steven's going to come on and say, Oh, awesome. Got another one. I'm like, yep. Yeah. Number five, number six. And he's like, okay, everything's the same. Yeah. He measures, he looks window, fire, all that stuff, water. All yeah. right. Have a good one. Gotcha. So that's, that's, that's usually the easy so part. The, code, the meeting code has been no problem. No, nah, it's super simple. Cool. So, uh, what has been the, the biggest pain point in doing this? The biggest, the cash. 
Dude, I'm not kidding. I know that's like a first world problem, but I, <laughs> I, I, I do not like walking around with five G's. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I'm like eager to run to the bank. And these guys usually cash their checks Saturday morning. They call me Saturday afternoon before they go to the bars or whatever. Right. They pay me. And then I have to like sit till Monday with like five G's and I literally stick it in my safe under my gun. Cause I'm like freaking out. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, well, how do I, how do I, you know, how do I just keep this safe, man? Honestly, um, we're, we're starting to accept debit and credit cards, which some of them like. Mm -hmm. Um, but still some are like, dude, can I just give you the 500 and keep it pushing? I'm like, I'm not going to say no, Yeah. but I wish you would go get a card. That would be fantastic though. Yeah. You know, I guess, have you considered, I know, I know you'd have to pay somebody for this, but have you considered hiring someone to pick the cash up and deposit it for dude, you? Dude, I will. When I reach the, my, my point of solidarity, my point of I'm done, all that fun jazz, I'll literally buy one more house to cover that expense. Gotcha. Gotcha. Does that make so, sense? What, yeah. So what is your, what is your point of solidarity? What, what goal, my point goal of I am done is going to be when I can make a, a, the, the, the 80 to $95,000 off of my rental properties. I can, I can, uh, make sure that all of it is cash flow after all of the expense hundred grand to 120 is going to be when I hire somebody. And then from there, I'll just, uh, I'll just live off of that for now. And I'll probably still do one or two more, maybe flip here and there, but I'll definitely slow it down if that makes sense. Gotcha. Like I'm not going to continue to push past too much. Um, a lot of guys uh, talk about uh, financial independence mm -hmm. and don't realize that sometimes financial independence does not come with time independence. And that's where right. you can mess up. Right. You can have a thousand properties and you look like the big man in the Hummer, but you don't realize that you know you don't have the time anymore that you want. Sure. So my goal is to have enough cash flow to be comfortable with the least amount of properties as possible. Sure. That's that's and exactly that my goal. Yeah, that's exactly what we've done. We don't have, you know, we're not we don't have we haven't taken the the same strategy with, you know, adding a ton of rooms to a, a property, but yeah. We started off which I think a lot of people start off doing this. We started off buying you know, 2% properties, properties yeah. that were $40,000 that we could rent for 800 a month. And right. we quickly found out that the cash flow was great when the tenants were in there and paying and there were there, you know, there wasn't an eviction going on or a massive repair <laughs> yeah. going on or whatever yeah. else. Um, so we moved up upstream a little bit and we decided, cause we were trying to build a certain portfolio value and cash flow. We moved upstream and we started buying higher quality properties that still cash flow yeah. 200 bucks a door that right. are going that are going to appreciate a lot better and we significantly decreased the number of properties we wanted to own so we could do like uh. you're saying we want to own the fewest amount of properties that get us to our goal you know and and that's i mean it's still there's still a lot of work but you know when you go from wanting to own 50 properties to wanting to own 20 properties or 15 properties things get a lot a lot more simple so no, I, I agree, man. A lot of my mentees are like, Oh, you know, how do I get to a hundred units as quick as possible? And I'm like, okay, let's chop that up. This is how you do that. Boom, 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 boom. And they're like, okay, awesome. And I'm like, but what's your goal? And like, man, my goal is this much uh, money to give me the time back to do this, to do that. And I'm like, okay, so let me get this straight. Is your goal money or is your goal time? Because they, 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 they don't mean the same thing. So let's define it. And we break that down. And then they quickly realize that, wait a minute my time is more valuable than money. So, so let's reevaluate that. So what does that look like for you? Well, 
I would like all my time back with not the headache of money. Ah, now we're getting somewhere. Okay. So what does that look like for you? How much money do you need to be comfortable? Let's all of your bills right now. And then, you know, we add all that up or whatever. And then, you know, we figure out their financial freedom number, you know, plus some, some, some cushion to have fun and some other, other stuff in their life. And like you said, they quickly realized that they didn't need a hundred units. Maybe they just needed 40 and then they could cut back and just do one or two here and there if they wanted to, you know, just redo the same process they've been doing. But now it's more of a maintaining than a grinding it out every single day, you know, 80 hours a week trying to build a huge portfolio versus just, just enjoying Absolutely. Yeah, I love this. I absolutely love this topic. I'm glad we're talking about this. So like to me, me to me, wealth is freedom of time. Come on. Period. Like wealth period. is not wealth is not having a billion dollars. Wealth is freedom of time. And you can be wealthy with a billion dollars and you can you can be completely time poor with a billion dollars. Yeah, it depends on what you're doing with your time every day. You know, and it's, it would be easy to stick your billion in an index fund and live off of it and be wealthy with time in that scenario. But what a lot of people do is they get this confused because they, they forget that the, you know, that your time is the most limited resource you have and that you can't get it anywhere else. Right. And you're, and you're trading your time for money and then you're spending the money on crap that you're going to give away or that's going to rust and go to pot, you know? And you're doing it to impress people you don't even know. And so what is, so the po- what is the point of all that? So instead, early on, you got to spend your time to make some money, but spend the money to buy yourself freedom of time and spend your money to compound in such a way that it's going to get you to that freedom of time as quickly as possible. And that, that's, that plays into this financial independence, retire early movement. And, you know, there's obviously there's, there's, you know, different schools of thought on that, but you're yeah. talking about your financial independence number. Let's like, let's, let's dive into that because we haven't talked sure. a lot about that on the podcast, but I, I love this subject. So walk us through how to calculate your financial independence number. Sure. So there's a couple, there's a couple things I want to say before that, and we'll get right to that. One, I know you and your listeners have seen the picture of the old couple in the gondola in Italy where they're sleeping through their, through their, through their trip. Have you seen that? I have not, but that's hilarious. Okay. So that, <laughs> That broke me, dude. I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to reach gondola in Italy, someone pushing me, sipping champagne with my wife type of money and be asleep. It's because you're <laughs> tired. I, it was so much in that picture. Second, people tend to think that it's a six, it's a six figure salary of 100, 120 grand or a million dollars. People don't realize that there is 200,000, 300,000, 400,000. There's a lot of money in between there. And if you're cash flowing that, Dude, no, you don't have any debt. Someone's covering all your debt. You're living on 200 grand. That's a lot of money. I don't care where you live if you're not having to pay mortgage on any of that. And your house is appreciating. Your properties are appreciating. You have tax incentives. You have tax appreciation, tax depreciation, loan pay down, ghost income. It goes on and on and on. I, uh, 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 two, $150,000 to $200,000 uh, salary a year with no payments. I, I don't know where you're going to spend it. Yeah, that's a so, lot. Of, I mean, that's a lot of money coming in. We're, we're talking, you know, $15,000 a month, you know? What are you going to do with that if you have no expenses? 15 to seven, I mean, $17,000 a month. I mean, what are what, you going to do that without yeah, any expenses? If your house is paid for, you know, you've got, you've got taxes, all, all taxes your, and insurance, yeah. then you've got groceries, yep. utilities, 
and then like, you know, eating, I mean, food costs, eating out, you know, whatever. And then you've got like $14,000 left over. I mean, like, what do you, well, I mean, what, what are you, what are you going to spend it on? Like, yeah. I, I've talked to many people about this and we, we've counted on that and we've reached to that agreement that you're, you're not, you're not one, you're not going to spend it. Right. Two, uh, you know, you can, you can try for a year or two. So it's just not working. It. It's, it's, it's a per it's a good number to be at for anybody. Now, let me tell you about my independence number. My independence number was met when I was able to pay all of my bills, when I was able to do all that through cash flow. So financial independence, I've, I've reached it just off of all my expenses. Really easy. Lower my expenses, raise my cash flow, done. That wasn't, I, I'm, I'm, I graduated 31 out of 31 in my class. I literally graduated absolutely last. I can figure out that my cash flow needs to surpass my expenses. Period. I would bet you that I would bet you that <laughs> of your classmates, you're the only one that's financially independent. I a hundred percent agree with you. All 30 have reached out to me and wanted to meet up for coffee. <laughs> it's so funny I'm how like, that, way, you, that plays you, into you, something. You made, else. you made C's in yeah. high school and college. I'm like, I did. That plays into I, something I, I, else I that I'm big on is, is like never, ever, ever write somebody off. Like never, oh, never, never in a scenario look not, and no. say like, Hey, this guy's, this guy's finishing last in our class. He's not going to do much. Like, you know, there's, there's different, like someone, someone sitting in a classroom is different than someone investing in real estate is different than someone starting their own business is different than somebody opening their own medical practice. I mean, you can't, you can't, look at someone and how they're operating in one environment and assume that they're going to operate the same way across the board. And that's a massive mistake that we tend to make by just generalizing and making assumptions based on a very small amount of data that we have. And that's absolutely true. Yeah. And, and I, I hate when, you know, you'll, you'll see somebody you didn't that you haven't seen since high school and like your, your, your just human tendency is to think they're still the same way. But that's not fair because people evolve and change over time. So, and you don't want somebody to say you're the same way as you were in some certain scenario because you've grown and evolved as well. So it's, it's hard, but it's like, I try to approach these things with like, Hey, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt every time I see them because they may have changed and grown. And I also don't want to just say, okay, because of the way they acted in high school and in class, that's how they're acting now with this other thing, you know, exactly. um, but that's so interesting. So you've you've got this financial independence with your cash flow. You built this cash flow out. What is yeah. your what is your goal with your time? Like once you get sure. this ninety five hundred thousand so, dollars a year. Yeah. So that's that, that that one's easy for me, man. Honestly, I want to be. I I genuinely love serving in my church. Uh, I love the youth, and if I can impact my youth into knowing that there is a different route than just college, um, and you don't have that stress anymore, and there's open doors other than that. Um, I, I love, I love serving in my church and, and that's one of my goals. I also <clears throat> love to travel. Um, that's a big one for me. So those are some of the things that, that I know that I'll be doing most. I already do most of those half time because I tell people, if you're not doing it now, you're not going to do it when you're a millionaire. If you're not going to do it when you're a million, trust me, either you do it or you don't. I'm doing that now, but I just want more of my own time to do that. Sure. Um, and, and, I, and my goal is to reach that through, through rental properties. Um, a lot of the times I, I tell my mentees and some of the guys at church, I'm like, look, listen, I, I graduated absolutely last in my class. I worked, you know, my tail off uh, on construction sites for many years to make sure that I could, you know, invest in real estate. Um, you know, don't, don't, don't ever underestimate any job. I mean, you know, plumbers, uh, electricians, you know, 
just laborers, uh, you know, you never know what people can, how and how and what people can add value to, to what you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm with you, you know, financial freedom equals yeah. time to spend on my faith, which is at my church time yep. to spend helping others that, that need help that plays into my faith as well. Time yeah. to spend with my family, which plays into travel and, you know, just freedom of my schedule to go to my kids' school for their, you know, their lunch that, you know, parents are invited to or like, you know, exactly. coach, coach their soccer team or whatever. Time with my friends and then, you know, uh, just life experiences and, and you know, spending spending time in ways that are meaningful to me and are adding adding value to the world, trying to make a difference, you know, and that's, that's what gets me so jazzed up about real estate. This is the best way that I've, I've found to compound your money, to bring freedom of time, which is wealth to be able to impact the world. Right. And I tell people this, look, I'm five, eight, I'm a Hispanic dude. I'm never going to go dunk a ball. I'm not <laughs> going to play on the soccer team. I'm never going to make it big doing any of that. What am I going to do? I'm going to invest every dollar I have into real estate. So every $1 that goes out brings back two. period. And if I can do that, then I'm set. Absolutely. And that's it. I love it, man. That's my goal with real estate. I love it. So So a lot of people underestimate it. So you do coaching on house hacking. Walk us through what, I mean, I know you, I know you gave an example of house hacking earlier for those that aren't familiar with what house hacking is. Walk us through exactly what that is and how to do it. Okay. Absolutely. So very simple. I buy a house. And instead of renting the house out directly to one family, I rent out rooms to separate individuals, maximum of two uh, per room, which is typically two gentlemen or, uh, you know, a husband and wife that don't have kids that are moving into a new city, but don't want to get into a lease and things of that nature. Um, and what I do is I rent them one room in a house. I rent the rooms for 500 bucks. The house has three or four bedrooms. You know, I only cash flow about a hundred dollars but I don't buy a house that doesn't have a value add value add is basically adding more rooms to the downstairs where I can rent out each room for an additional 500 and every room I add is cash flow. That is house hacking. Yeah. Some people do it with in a college town with college kids or whatever the case may be, but that's not how we do it. Yeah. So, so at its core house hacking is, is, you know, essentially just living in the house, turning it into a rental property, buying the thing with, primary residence financing, and then basically turning it into a rental. And it's easy to do this and get your entire mortgage paid. You know, if you're focused on pulling that off, which you're doing, I mean, you're creating massive cash flow by adding these rooms. So there's all different right, ways you can do easy. this. It says it can be as simple as buying a duplex, living in one side, running the other side out, letting that side cover your mortgage payment, or doing what Felipe is doing here buying a house, having a little positive cash flow, converting some space into more bedrooms, increasing the cash flow. Then you move out, rent your former room out and that's cash flowing like crazy as well and go do another one. And you know, some, and you, you can do this for very traditional. Like you said, you can do this with traditional loan. You don't have to go out and do what I do and get a commercial loan. You can do this by just buying a house every six months if you don't want to do it full time. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then you just get a line of credit on, on the house that you have for the next down payment. Once you have your first one, it's just for point. Redoing the process. You already have the bank. You already have, I mean, it's really simple after that. Now is your, Felipe, are you married? Yeah, okay. I am. I now, am. Are, are, has your wife been doing the house hacking thing with you this whole time? She did it for six months, saw the returns and uh, absolutely loved it. Um, so, 
Awesome. So she is super, super into it. Uh, she loves what we do. We do not house hack our personal home anymore. We have a little one. Yep. Uh, my son's name is Armando. He's two years old. So we do not house hack our personal home anymore. Um, what we did actually is we went back to the original first house that I bought. We completely updated it, uh, moved in there and rent out all the other primary homes that we had. Cool. I love it, man. Yeah. We, yeah. the house hacking thing, my, my wife and I did it. Um, we bought a duplex and lived in one side, ran the other side out, fixed both units up, then moved out. Cool. Uh, it was fun, but we had my, my oldest was two years old at the time and it was, uh, it was a bit crazy, um, yeah. on that front. And then, you know, my wife is pretty adamant about not wanting to house hack now because we have three little ones and I'm right there yeah, with her. Yeah, yeah. It, it becomes more complicated when you got little kids, but man, right. when you're single or when you, before you have oh, kids, dude. that's the time. Man, to do it. I teach some of my mentees are in college and I teach them how to live for free. Not only that, pay off their whole college for free at the end of four years. I tell them, look, really simple. Can I go into this story real quick? Absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So I tell them, look, really simple, bro. Your freshman year of college, buy a house with the most amount of rooms you can and rent it to all your little buddies that's going to college with you. Rent out the rooms. You're going to live for free. Now, you're going to live for free. You're going to rent the house out. You're going to hold that house for the four years that you're in college or five, whatever. It should appreciate between seven and eight percent a year, depending on the city that you're in. So you should it should appreciate maybe 40, 50 grand. Maybe, maybe 30, whatever. If your college is 80, 60, whatever, however much it's gonna cost you, I tell them sell the house at the end of the four years or keep it renting and just pay off your student debt. And you've started learning how real estate works. And a lot of them are starting to do that. And I'm like, look, I, I literally wish somebody would have told me to do that when I was in college. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because all man. my friends are with it. me in college. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if you're owning stuff in Nashville, it is going up in value that fast. <laughs> so, sure. yeah, that's, that's uh, right. yeah, I love it, man. That What a what a way to start off your, you know, after college life by having no student loan debt. And um, student loan debt's crushing people right now. They get into this Isn't massive it? amount of debt come out, you know, making $30,000 a year and got a hundred grand in student loan debt and they can't get rid of it. And, uh, yeah, exactly. if, if you were to, to use that strategy, man, I mean, you, you could have no student loan debt and be living for free the entire time you're in college. That's, I love that. Exactly. Cool, man. And then, you know, if you worked in college, you're able to use that income while you're in college. So yeah. man, there's just so much benefits to real estate and how you can, it's applicable to your life at every stage in life. Absolutely. Some way, one way or the other, you can use it. Absolutely. Yeah, this has been awesome, man. So tell us, um, what are a couple books that you would recommend the listeners uh, check out? Oh, absolutely. So I actually have a small library in my website, uh, teamfelipe.com. You can just Google it. Um, and it's also on my Instagram. If I can shout that out, it's uh, you know uh, one team underscore Felipe on Instagram. And I have a library of the books that I read and I commentate a little bit on them. But my, my, my basic one, I tell people, if you're religious, if you're not religious, if you're a Christian, if you're not, if you read the book of Proverbs with an open mind, that is going to give you so much value. It's ridiculous. And then from there, I, I tell people, obviously, the Robert Kiyosaki books and all the real estate books out there, are, a lot of them are really, really good. But I tell people to also focus on the tax books because that's very important. Make money, but let's learn how to keep it. Mm. That's the hard part for people. So I tell, I tell a lot of people to read the book Tax-Free Wealth by Thomas Wheelwright which is actually Robert Kiyosaki's tax attorney. Yeah, that's a great one. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm like, look, read that. Yeah, the Kiyosaki books are great. And I, I love Proverbs. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. I read it from time to time. And sometimes I'll just yeah. I'll just open it, read a chapter just because it's, man, it's so good. 
It's so good. And it's applicable today, right? Absolutely. It's, it's, yeah. it's common things. Put a little away. Don't spend it all there. You know, whatever. Yeah. The, the Richest Man in Babylon. That's another really good one. So yeah. boring. But very, very good read. I love too in Proverbs how it talks about, you know, everything being meaningless. You know, like exactly. everything's that, you know, chasing money just for the sake of money or chasing fame and fortune or sex or whatever it is. It's meaning it's going to leave you empty if that's all you're doing. You know, there's, there's a bigger purpose to your life. And I encourage everybody to like, figure, figure your faith out. Like if you don't, if you, I mean, that, that's such a big part of who you are, your spirit. Like we're not just bodies chasing money. Like we have, there's more to life than that, you know? So like figure that part out. And, you know, um, and I also wanted to say, uh, I, I just finished writing a book and it's going to be on Amazon here pretty soon. And the book is titled nice. dream it and build it, how to crush your real estate investing goals. And, uh, it's going to be out in December. I'm really pumped about okay. that, but it's, it's nice. about a lot of this, the mindset that's required for building your real estate investment portfolio and like things you can, you can do to be successful and things you can do to avoid failing and how to push through, you know, some failures you may experience along the way to reach your goal. And Felipe's Felipe's killing it, man. I've absolutely loved your story and what you're doing. And, um, you know, would you have done this if you had gotten that job as a cop? No, uh, as a man of faith, I tell people the Lord slammed that door shut in my face so hard. I mean, I literally weeped for a couple of days, man, four or five years ready for this. And the Lord shut that door on me. And I was like, why? Like, this is what I thought I was going to do for the past, you know, as long as I can remember, like what happened, you know, I got that door closed, but what I didn't realize was if I would have just looked left or right, hundreds of doors were open because now I don't have a very specific target. Now I had a, now I can pick, now I can choose again. And, and, and it just opened my eye to eye to a whole new uh, thing out there, which was real estate. Now I, I typically don't tell people, Hey, go, you know, if you, if you failed at this, go become an astronaut. I'm like, look, look around. What is in your direct five, five friends? What's something that you can do immediately that's been lingering in the background because subconsciously that's what you're also good at. And I didn't realize that real estate was just lingering in my background from mobile homes here to flipping a mobile home from 8,000 to 30,000. I mean, just real estate was in my life and I never like really realized it because I was so gun ho on this one thing. What does it take in your opinion for people to be successful in real estate, don't accept a no. Don't accept a no. I like it. Don't accept. Don't accept. Don't accept a no, unless it's like against the law. I yeah. mean, I, I, you know, I, I love my community, but unfortunately, there is still a lot of racism where we live, and uh, and that goes deep. That goes deep into banks, and that goes deep into a lot of things. And uh, I, I just don't accept a no because a, a no always comes with a reason. So people are like no because you don't have enough credit. Well, then I go work on my credit and then I come back and I ask the same person, all right, my credit's good. All right. Uh, no, because you don't have enough money. I'm going to go make enough money. All right. Now I got enough money and they run out of nose and, yeah. and, and, and they, and they, and they run out of nose. And then I finally get my yes. So I tell people to just grit through it. Don't accept the first no, because you're going to get a lot of those. Uh, and just, just ask why. No. Okay. Yeah. Why? Well, because of this Then go fix that, man. Yeah. I ask every guest the same question. And the number one thing I hear is grit. And grit, yeah. grit is the, is the number one thing in my own investing path and journey that I can identify as the way to, to reach your goals. Because like I said, there's going to be a lot of problems. You're going to get a lot of no's. You're going to, things are going to go, things aren't going to necessarily go to plan and you got to grit through it. You got to work hard, keep your, you know, keep your head down, keep, 
keep plugging and that will get you there. And, um, and if you, I promise you that if you, if you don't have a thick skin towards problems, like real estate's going to kick your butt, you know, it is. um, but man, there's such financial freedom and wealth and time, wealth, wealth with your time to be had. If you will persist after this stuff, it is legitimately, in my opinion, the best way to have freedom of your time. So, um, man, I've absolutely love this. I love the financial independence uh, discussion we've had. You're absolutely crushing it, man. Thanks for uh, being a guest on the show. And uh, let's definitely keep in touch going forward. I know you've got a lot of great things in store for you. I know God has got a great plan for you. So thanks for uh, being a guest on my show today. Dude, it's my honor and my pleasure. Have a good one. Thanks, buddy. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'd love to connect with you. So please hit me up on Instagram at Daily Real Estate Investor or on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, or YouTube. If you want to know more about this episode, check out our show notes along with the blog at dailyrealestateinvestor.com. And don't forget to sign up for the mailing list while you're there. We'll keep you up to date on the book in the works as well as new episodes. And tune in next time for another episode of the Daily Real Estate Investor. And do me a massive favor. Please subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review for me and share the show with your friends. Your support means the absolute world to me. And know that I will do everything within my power to help you reach financial freedom through real estate investing. I love you each and believe you're capable of far more than you think possible.